and welcome back to the Grand Slam Tennis Podcast. The tennis podcast for amateur players, definitely by amateur players. And uh, we're, we're back recording today slightly jaded. Um, as we mentioned on last week's episode, this is now post-Ricky's stag. Hello everyone. <laughs> Hello, I made it through. I am alive. <laughs> oh my goodness me, there were moments where I didn't think I was going to get through it. But uh, we are here, um, and I, I've managed to stay awake through the Dahl team because I am not because it wasn't very entertaining, which of course it was. It was the lack of sleep um, that was really quite punishing. But yeah, I've managed to uh, get through the match, and we're we're reviewing it post with a with a nice cup of tea rather than the wine pairing that Rob had prepared for us. Yeah, we, we, had, we had planned a wine, wine and tennis match pairing, but uh, yeah, I think we've gone for tea today. I could not. I tell you, if you'd have maybe drunk a glass of wine, I think <laughs> I think I would have defriended you forever. Like, I don't think I'd be able to cope. Um, but it was a great stag do, and we actually went out dressed as retro tennis, retro players. tennis so, players. So my brother, yeah. who's my best man, uh, was Andre uh, Agassi. He was yeah, classic Andre Agassi with the big hair, headband, the lime green undershorts. Um, I was Steffi Graf, um, and I got many, many uh, nice compliments from strangers and yeah, other people alike. Worryingly, you did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt I felt great. A yeah. couple of people thought you were female, but maybe that's more of a reflection on Worcester than. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I won't have the good people of Worcester besmirched in such a way. But uh, yeah, no, we had a great time. <laughs> Um, however, I am a little bit worse for wear uh, today, and I think Rob Rob is hanging on in there as well. So, so yeah, do forgive if that obviously my voice is kind of going, and uh, and yeah, we might run out of steam at some point. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to kind of give a really nice recap of the French Open. It's been a fabulous tournament yet again, um, and then a few kind of updates from the world of tennis and. That, uh, that is our itinerary for today. So yeah. shall we, where shall we dive in, Rob? Where do you want to start? Well, I think, um, I mean, it has been a fantastic French Open this year, hasn't it? I mean, a few, uh, few weather disruptions. I think from, um, from my point of view, the, weather, the weather's been an interesting one, but for Nadal not to have dropped a set up until the last yeah. game, uh, up until the last match, the final, uh, you know, for it to be a great French Open, he has to be pushed. The semi-final... Uh, Djokovic versus team five setter was over two days fabulous absolutely brilliant we watched yeah. we watched that uh, on the Friday didn't we after after our yeah, first did, stag yeah. activity was rained off um, so that kept us entertained absolutely magnificent match so good uh, the quality is just oh, unbelievable. unbelievable like the the, the yeah the, the strength of um, Djokovic is is rallying is just not to be denied I mean team is a lot younger and is a lot, I would imagine, fitter and like Djokovic staying with him toe for toe was impressive, really impressive. But I think we we saw you know we saw today that actually, you know, it's played over two days, rain delay, so four hour match over over two days, you know, no rest. Had played two sets yesterday, um, did team, um, and I think that 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 did have a bit of an impact on. He ran out of seams because also there. Nadal's half of the draw was. Um, you know the first match is played, so he was a Tuesday quarterfinal. He was a Thursday semi-final that wasn't disrupted by rain, um, and so, uh, or no, sorry, if I, uh, whatever day it was. Um, so he's he was fully rested, and um, 
And that makes that he, makes a difference. He was. I don't. I'm not sure of the difference it made. And the reason, the reason I say that is because a few of the stats that they they flashed up. So they showed that teams' average ground ground sh- um, shot speed. Uh, during the final was 86 miles an hour and over the rest of the tournament it had been 80 miles an hour so mm. Dominic team was just re- he was redlining he was he was effectively doing what Stan Vavrink did I mean, successfully he hit a 96 mile an hour single handed backhand yes I mean he's, <laughs> he's smoking the ball. and like I think when you're redlining it like that so much you know they said that he'd missed um, this was halfway through the second set he'd missed four first serves in the entire match and had been broken twice you know yeah. at that point like he Nadal's levels are so, so much higher than everybody else I mean I, I was saying you know we were chatting about this uh, over the weekend and I said I think team I think team's got a, a more than just a shot I think he's got a really good chance of winning yeah. I thought he would win um, but I think what's been underlined is it's just the difference between those two players, um, you know, it's absolutely phenomenal. And, and I, I think that there's, you know, there's so much ground for teams to catch up. I mean, yeah. Nadal said, oh, I think you're, you're going to be the, uh, the kind of heir apparent on clay. I mean, he didn't use those words, but I'm yeah. paraphrasing. And, you know, I think that you look at it and one looks at it and they're probably, that's the obvious choice but he, he's still a long way away from where Nadal is and yeah. that's that was underlined today he won managed to win one set like absolutely cremating the ball yeah and he didn't play at that level just for the one set he played at that level for for two and a bit sets and then just faded really fell off a cliff I yeah. mean he won one out of the first 24 points in the third set Enough. yeah I mean so Nadal's just when he turns it he's got he had another gear to find and he boy did he find it, and he just sort of showed everybody what he can do. Yeah, uh, it's underlined. It has underlined that achievement of him being the uh, the greatest clay court player by virtue of the fact that he has set the record for the most Grand Slam title uh, wins for any player for that for a specific tournament. Yeah, so that was twelve, twelve this year. Yeah, twelve. Uh, 12 uh, he's made it twelve. So nobody else. Nobody else has. I think the women's you know, game. So Margaret Court has won eleven Australian Opens. Yes. Um, and you were saying Federer's been in eleven Wimbledon finals, not won them all. Yes. But uh, so Nadal is now outright in terms of not only most um, single um, Grand Slam location wins, yeah. um, but by also by default. Uh, the most final appearances. So I think I've been probably paying attention to and watching tennis for 25 years, I suppose, especially the majors. And to me, so so that's kind of the scope of my frame of reference. So I wouldn't want to to say, you know, reference too much beforehand, but it seems to me that Nadal on clay is just the best kind of combination there's ever been. You look at it, and and it's kind of justified that he now has that stat against it. You know, it, it kind of is objectively true that Nadal is the best ever on a given surface, um, yeah. and that's that's right. I mean, some people might say, well, there's there's not a huge wealth of high quality clay court specialists at the moment. People are much more um, inclined towards the hard court surfaces now, and that's because of there's more money in winning those big American tournaments in the Sunshine Swing. The US, obviously, there's two two hardcore surfaces 
for majors. So if you're going to try and specialise, you're better off being a hardcore specialist than yep. you are a clay court specialist. So uh, I think I think that you you can argue that there, there's kind of more there's less there's less specialism uh, for clay at the moment. But even so, I mean, he's done it in an era where there's probably three of the greatest tennis players of all time that seem to yeah. be kind of widely accepted as. I think it's a good job that I'm doing a lot of the talking up front here because <laughs> because I think I'm about to run out of steam, Ross. <laughs> help me out. I think I think what I'm going to set you off on, uh, moving on, I think we've covered that really nice, uh, r- you know, we've spent a bit of time on that. I'm going to move on to what is your favourite topic at the moment, yeah. which is... Joanna Conta. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk. Talk us through. Well, I was going to say it's been a, it's been a running theme of 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 mine that Joanna Conta seems to choke at the big moments and the big matches, and um, you know she got through two two good two tough matches. I mean she destroyed Stone Sloane Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, she I, did. I, I mean destroyed her. Um, and I thought, oh my god, my 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 running narrative is um, being under put under some severe pressure here. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I'm never. I don't want to ever. You know, I'm always going to support the Brits. It's 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 not a malicious thing, but her losing. Uh, means that my narrative's back on track. Yes, you were slightly <laughs> worried, weren't you? When I she, was a bit worried. She beat <laughs> Sloane Stevens convincingly, and Sue Barker, former uh, French Open uh, champion, uh, actually from Britain, um, uh, which which the trophy uh, did not uh, agree with. As she found, did you want to tell that? Well, story? I was going to say we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for the final because it was um, okay. Because Ash, Ashley Barty um, discovered something quite interesting. Okay, well um, let's, let's let's so so Conta beat Sloane Stevens convincingly. Uh, Sue Barker, who does a lot of television work here in the UK, is a high-profile kind of tennis figure. Said that you know she thinks she's playing that Conta is playing the best tennis in the world right now, and you were worried. I think I was worried that yeah. your that your narrative was was going to be coming uh, to an end. Yeah, exactly. But, but uh, she didn't she let ran, you down. But she, but <laughs> no, she she didn't. Semi-final against unseeded Anisimova. And, well done. Um, yeah. See you later, Conta. Thanks very much. I mean, it was. I mean, she started so well. I think she won the first. She won the first nine points. She had. She was yeah. love thirty up on uh, on her opponent's serve in the in the second game, and her opponent hadn't won a point at that point. And like, so you just you feel that she really should have taken that first set. She really should have taken that first yeah. set, and you know, for, she was five three up at one point as well. Yeah. Five three up serving, um, yeah, just it feels it feels very reminiscent of Henman, <laughs> which in a way is quite a nice nostalgia. It's but a, having it's an endearing, having, endearing having, remark, having got having gotten used to watching Andy Murray, having yeah. gotten used to watch you know a few other sporting teams in in England doing better than they have traditionally, um, it was it was feeling like you know. We've, We've moved on from that era of nearly people. Uh, you know, our Olympians win gold medals, uh, you know, all the rest of it. Um, and uh, But no, Joanna Conte is, is dragging us, kicking and screaming, back to the, the late 90s and early noughties of Tim Hemman <laughs> struggling, getting to semi-finals and bailing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but... You know, she had a great run, and that's not to, you know, we don't want to take away, I mean, you know, she did have um, some great games. She had a good battle against the American Lauren Davis. You know, we've, we've mentioned how 
how she just took apart Sloane Stevens, who's you know seventh in the world. I mean, serious player. She's she's not too bad to watch on the telly. Uh, uh, you know, concert in terms of she she has magnificent stars, good athlete, mm. um, all the rest of it. I think from my you know she's very consistent as well. From my point of view, I've seen her play live two or three times. The last time I saw her play live, I ended up cheering for the, a Romanian, a po- her Romanian <laughs> opponent at Wimbledon because I was so fed up of watching her bounce the ball 18, 19, 20 times and then she goes into the... When you just about think she's about to serve it, she pauses and she doesn't just do it once, she does it every single time. Yeah. It is totally infuriating to watch live. Just You're at the tee, or you're at the baseline, hit the ball, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I watching you... Mess around for God knows how long. So, so yeah, I'm maybe maybe I'm even more anti her than you than you. Oh God! Well, I'm not anti concept, but, but but stop bouncing the ball so much and and stop not winning matches that you really should be winning. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, having on on the form that she was on, not to make a final. I mean, she must be looking at this, going, this is the biggest opportunity missed oh, well, of her career so far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with you know, with Williams taken out early doors, Halep uh, lost in the quarters. Um, you know, Madison Keys out. She took out Sloane Stevens. So you know, lots of big names. And um, Bar- Barty's not an overwhelming favourite either to win to win this tournament. No, well, it's not from the beginning. I mean, no. you know, a name a name mentioned in the mix, but you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have put her at the top of that top of that list. Um, but that is not to take away um, her win. Um, against uh, Von Drusova. Um and uh, I mean unfortunately we didn't get to watch any of this because we were out too busy stagging um, for foreign listeners who might not know what a stag party is it's 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 a, a bachelor party so it's the kind of you get all your male uh, well, I'm getting married this summer and before uh, you do that you, you get all of your male uh, your mates around uh, and and you kind of have a big big few days somewhere and and uh that tends to be what it is so so just to fill in a little bit of context a little bit of content that's it that is what has happened um, um so unfortunately we didn't get to watch the um the the party match but uh you know good solid win um straight set 6163 um so i think you know those for for what i gather you know uh, von Drusova is is a name i think will pop up again she seems to be you know, one of the sort of the new generation of quite big hitting, um, quite yeah. aggressive, quite attacking. So I think there is some, certainly some um, some good tennis on display. But I think you know Barty's more experience uh, sort of came came through on that. Yeah, I think that the it's, uh, she she Von Drusseva crucially wasn't jinxed by the fact that we didn't cover her or did, the fact that we <laughs> that we didn't cover her in our profile of up and coming yeah, female tennis true. players uh, she wasn't in that mix and therefore wasn't jinxed by our profiling and because I don't think any of our profilers did very well especially Ostapenko no Ostapenko didn't do very well at all Sakari I think went out second round yeah that was uh, great uh, we were looking more long term than uh, than just for the next tournament quite, but, quite uh, well recovered yeah I think oh, one thing I wanted to sort of um, just going I can't get this concert thing out of my head <laughs> I think you know. I mean, I appreciate that we have we we know that we have an international listenership, um, but I think most of our listeners are in 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 Britain, and uh, you know, having the, had the World Cup, 
you know, I, I think in England people were very kind of pro and said, oh, we did, we, you know, we had a fantastic tournament and everything else. Got to the semi-finals, lost to Croatia. You listen to kind of sort of uh, analysis that's perhaps slightly more objective from some foreign pundits, and a lot of them are saying, look, this was England's big opportunity and it is a massive opportunity missed. Yeah. I think for Conter to have lost to an unseeded unknown and then come against a final with somebody that, you know, frankly is very beatable. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that she didn't deserve the win because she obviously did, but she must be looking at this going, this is a crazy missed opportunity. 5-3 upset, 5-3 up in the first set, lost that. Uh, you know, won the second set. She really should have been done and dusted and in the locker room and, and then and then back out for the final and who knows and instead she's she's often worried about people criticising her I think that uh, seems to be but crucially my expertise and foresight and knowledge of the game means that um, my uh, my views on Conta choking are uh, still up there well I think until <laughs> well she can get upset at like and I'm, I'm absolutely not saying that she's upset at our criticism of her but there is she has been a few, uh, she has sort of commented on the fact that criticism in, in the public and in the media doesn't help her and she finds it very difficult and she has, uh, you know, difficulty with that kind of mental side of the game. Well, being a tennis player, that's a huge part of it. It's yeah. all up in the Swede. I mean, we've played tennis for, yeah, there's 25, well, 30 years, best part of, and we know that we are capable of hitting, you know, some some good shots. But the reason that you don't hit those good shots every time is... Is, is between your ears it's not you know it's, yeah. no, it's nowhere else um, so you know it's a, it's a cerebral part of the game and a very cerebral game and, and if if she can't handle that pressure then that's her, a weak, a massive weakness as a tennis player um, and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very frustrated I think we need to give poor Conta a break here and uh, move on <laughs> move, move on. on move um, on but what we what Ricky uh, touched upon um, very briefly, was quite an entertaining story that came out um, that Ashley Barty, um, Australian, um, won the French Open yesterday and she was searching, she was looking at the trophy and all the names that had won it and she was looking, uh, you know, for previous Australian winners, uh, so Margaret Court being being one of them, and then found that uh, the uh, aforementioned Sue Barker, who won the French Open in 1976 and is very much English, uh, is listed on the French Open trophy as being Australian. <laughs> so they, uh, Weren't there a couple of other mistakes? Yeah, there, I can't remember the name, but there was another winner um, whose name was spelt wrong. So the tournament committee have promised to rectify both of these errors. I mean, you have to wonder what on <laughs> earth is going on. And why has nobody scrutinised the trophy closely enough? I mean, sure, it's sat there for, mo- like... What three hundred and sixty four days of the year? <laughs> like, what on earth are they doing? <laughs> Why has nobody picked up on this? But you see, I think part for me, part that's part of the charm. I quite like those little niggles, those little quirks. I mean, yeah, you've got to go. Could have been avoided in the first place. This is a multi million pound sports tournament. I think it's, a, I think it's hilarious. I'm all for that. <laughs> what the what just ranking competency of being able to spell <laughs> yeah. people's names and I mean I appreciate that 1976 was it that Barker won yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the internet's not around I mean they could have asked her um, <laughs> it's that's a shock and, and who who's the engraver who's gone I'm fairly sure she's Australian <laughs> I'll pop that down 
That'll be fine. No one will notice this. And yes, however many years it is, 33 years later. No, it's more than that, isn't it? 40, 30, however many... I can't do maths in my brain. But, uh, you know, so however many years later, four decades later or whatever, it is, she finally, finally gets recognised by a tennis player. I mean, the sheer incompetency of that is absolutely... I just love... Sorry, sorry go, going on a bit of a rant here, but I... I just love the... I, I'm picturing kind of a smoke-filled office, glass of red wine, cigarette stubs and everywhere, possibly a cigar in hand, this kind of very garlicky Frenchman. So, <laughs> chiseling away at there goes, I do not know where she is from, but I think she is Australian, so I shall put down Australia. Oh, dear. No. Please don't do that accent ever again. I'm sorry. But that, that was kind of the no, same. I mean, no, that was kind of the same image that I had in my head. I no one think, is going to check this for forty years. <laughs> I just think. I just think it's brilliant. I, I. It's just what a great little story to come out. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fully, fully in favour of tournaments having funny little quirks. But the rank incompetency of that is absolutely. I mean, it's Conter esque. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would argue. One thing we were we were going to come up to was uh, that we didn't talk about is that we we did phone uh, Nostradamus for a prediction. Oh, we did. Yes, um, and I think he called the Barty win. I think most people called the Barty win in straight sets, which is you know fine and fair enough. But the Nadal team won. I'm slightly disappointed with his prediction. Go on, do you want? Do you so, want his, so his prediction, we um, we we phoned him up in the car on the way and got got the prediction. He, I did threaten to um, phone him. As we were recording, but he, he flat out refused. Um, but he predicted that the winner, it would be four sets for the men's final, and whoever won the first set would go on and win the match. I uh, see. I think that's way too broad <laughs> as a prediction. I, I'm not sure we should have allowed this. If I'd not been less unconscious, is that the right way around? Or if I'd not been unconscious... I would have probably picked him up on this. I, I think. I think Nostradamus. We need more. We need more. I, I'm not giving you that level of, of width, that that kind of breadth of opportunity to be to be. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vague. Vague. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's got he's got two two good predictions. He got the Aussie Open final, and he got Ostapenko not making it through the first week. Osaka. Um, Osaka. Sorry. Not making it through the first. Well, he has, and that that was a good prediction. I liked. I liked both yeah. of those. I felt that he needed. He needed to pick a winner. All right, I'll, I'll get him to up his game next I think, time. I think next time we'll we'll yeah get get into him and make sure that it, we we give him less slack for Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that pretty much concludes our chat. Well, on, but on, talking about well, I was going to say it concludes the sort of French Open. French but talking, Open chat, but yes. talking about um, news stories and um, you know. Uh, uh, shockwaves around the tennis world. There's um, been some some big, big, big news in the uh, tennis world this week. Um, Ricky's ditched me. Well, I haven't ditched you. No, he's <laughs> he's been called up to the fifth team. It's big and news for it, me. It's it's it's. I don't quite know how to take it yet. I'm still slightly shell shocked. Um, but well, it you now refused means, to play with me last time. But it's so. now, but it's now means he's tied and now can't play, can't play for me in the sixth. Well, this is almost as big a story as Andy Murray's. Uh, oh, oh that happened as that, well. That, didn't that it? footnote, yeah. <laughs> so Andy Murray's back. Uh, you know, despite his bad hip, 
and bad back that he has had in the past. Yeah. Um, he is going to play some doubles at Queen's. He's going to he's entered the men's doubles in Queen's with Feliciano Lopez. So you you were chatting about how did you read in a, an interview with him about the the why he's chosen Feliciano and. and what, um, no, I'm, I'm just I'm going with this is my deep insight into the game. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'll claim that, but yeah, fine. I, I probably skim read it somewhere. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting choice of partner. Uh, we're because his brother's kind, of, kind of available. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I know he's not because he's playing with uh, Neil Skupski. He, he is, but like, but yeah. but he's yes, he's technically available. I think I'm sure that they could have picked up the phone and made it yeah. happen if they'd wanted to. But obviously, that this is Jamie Murray's thing, being a doubles player. Yeah, Jamie uh, Murray's you know it, it doubles is his 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 thing, his so, career. Yeah. Um, whereas for for Andy at the moment, you know, he's not starting a doubles career. This is for him a bit of a stepping stone to get back to full fitness, playing some competitive tennis, getting mm. back a little bit on the tour, um, and to explore the possibility of of further down the line. Um, I think he said he's not going to play any singles this year, mm. but if he's going to play some doubles and get back into the groove, uh, potentially next year. Um, so you know, you could have you, you could have sort of picked either his brother or, or you know someone who's more traditionally a a doubles a doubles specialist. Mm. Um, but he's you know he's got. I think one of the reasons he's gone with Feliciano Lopez um, is the fact that he's not a double specialist and. For Andy, this is a, an opportunity for him to get back on the tennis court. He doesn't want the... There's already enough pressure and focus of the fact that he is back on the tennis court. Mm. Um, and I think if he'd have picked someone... If he'd have partnered someone like uh, his brother, Jamie, or, or, a, or a serious doubles player, then that just sort of adds to the pressure that, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to go for the, for the tournament win. Uh, whereas I think that's... From what I can see, that's not really the case. He's picked Feliciano. He's a good player, obviously. Uh, we all know that. But you know, he is a singles player, and so I think it's just it's just it's him take using ways to take some pressure off what already is quite yeah. a pressurized situation. And he just <coughs> wants to go and have fun at one of his. And he particularly, you know, made sure he's come back to Queens because it's where he won his first ATP title, I think, and it's also his most successful. Do you think, um, uh, is he going to play at Wimbledon? Doubles? I don't know. He hasn't announced that yet. Okay. Um, I mean, just... just I, think, I think we'll see how, I think he's going to see how, how, how Queen's goes. Just to allow oneself to sort of speculate a little bit here. Speaking, again, coming from the, the British fans, the British tennis fans' perspective, with an eye to kind of the broader sport and the success of the broader sport, the vast majority of tennis played in, in Britain is doubles. Uh, you know, you see that time and time again, all over the tennis clubs and tennis courts of, of Britain, especially competitive tennis. But the profile of doubles is is very low, really. You get, obviously, Jamie Murray's helped with that, yeah. uh, being a kind of dedicated tennis specialist. But can you imagine what would happen if Jamie and Andy decided they were going to team up for a, a year and, and follow it? The media attention for, double, for men's doubles would... Be, it would be unbelievable, and we, you know, you'd have a huge amount of of um, kind of eyes on men's doubles, and I think that men's doubles is is possibly 
it's, an, it's a really underrated product oh, of the yeah. tennis game, especially live. I do appreciate that it can be a little bit stop start on the telly, but live it's it is fantastic. One of the best, one of the best things you you can watch. I mean, we were saying about we live in West London, so we'll hopefully get down to. We, I don't think I've got any tickets. You haven't got any tickets yet. No, I haven't. But got we, any we might yet. go up and queue, or we can camp. Um, for Wimbledon and I think what we'll go sort of early in the second week and not uh, with the intention of not watching any of the, the high profile singles yeah. we'll go and watch the, the, outside, the outside courts the outside courts on, on, because the, the quality of what you're seeing from literally metres away is something it's absolutely phenomenal uh, and it takes your breath away watching them do it from that close. If you're close enough, we can chuck some advice their way. I mean, we, we could even record live from there, couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, them, tell them where they're going wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> we could get we could speak to Joanna Conta, couldn't we? we could get to <laughs> but um, I don't think that we'll be allowed anywhere near it. No. But, uh, yeah, no, just, just to speculate, can you imagine what that would do I for the game? I think it would be fantastic for... for this, and, 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 of course, you know, it, slightly more focused around so the British... Um, the British tennis... Um, World as it were, well, yeah. Um, but just imagine the Grand Slam final, Murray Murray versus Brian Bryan. Be great. Yeah, it would be great. And it's also hip resurfacing surgery versus hip resurfacing surgery. The surgeon would be there in the <laughs> yeah. middle, just in case anything went wrong. Um, uh, but I think it'd be fantastic for the game and fantastic for, for doubles and the, the profile I think it deserves, actually. Um, it's, it's ridiculously undersold, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think... The, the the product of doubles and, and mixed doubles as well and, yeah. and, and women's doubles is is really good and it just doesn't get any exposure so I think a high profile thing like Andy Murray going and playing doubles especially if you partnered Jamie that would, be would awesome. like that would be featured like on the news it would be like on Sky you know on Sky Sports and Eurosport and all the rest of it Sky doesn't have much tenny, uh, tennis these days but like the focus on it would be so high yeah. It would be really awesome. So, Andy, if you're listening, and you're probably not, um, <laughs> but if you are listening, we would love you to um, to, to consider that. Because I, I think the wider implications for participation in tennis would be quite profound, potentially. Yeah. Um, but that's... that's, that's, that's a th- we'll leave, I think, our dear listeners with with that thought, that, uh, that, that yeah. tennis wet dream, if you will. And if, and, you, <laughs> and if you've got any thoughts on that or indeed on anything else... You know, please do get in touch on Twitter at the Grand Slam Pod, or drop us an email, the Grand Slam Pod at gmail um, So yeah, let us know your thoughts on um, on a Murray Murray partnership in doubles for world domination. What would be your dream doubles partnerships? That might be a good one uh, that we could we could chat about during our next podcast. What would be your dream from any era, from any uh, any two players from any any era? come together and play Ooh, what would be re- your that requires some thought yeah, I like it yeah no let's so we're going we could go professional so two two actual tennis players and then if we were to go on tour obviously aside from each other who would we partner oh I like that too okay well yeah listeners mm. have a think what your yeah your 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 fantasy tennis partnership doubles partnerships would be um, and we will we'll address them next week on the Grand Town Tennis Podcast <laughs>